0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Longview Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and we did things a little differently this week. We ran this episode on Twitter Spaces, talked about Dylan Brooks' return, talked about Desmond Bain, and the idea of the third guy. And with March Madness kicking off this week, we decided to discuss just a few prospects that we're excited to watch over the next several weeks, and their potential prospects with the Memphis Grizzlies. So, very fun conversation. So, uh, before I switch over to that, make sure you are subscribing, downloading, liking, writing five-star reviews for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network that features GBB Live, the Longview Podcast, the 3&D Podcast, and the Starting 5 Podcast. And make sure you're reading all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter, at Grizzlies, And now let's get to the Twitter spaces. Alright, we got more people in here now, so let's just go ahead and get this thing started. Right before uh, tip-off here, recording a little pregame spaces for this week's pod. Haven't really done this before, but it's always been cool. I got one of the guys with me that's usually been with me. Uh, to do some pregame spaces, Drew Hill. We'll be chatting here in a moment. But um, big premise of this uh, space is I want to talk about Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and I also want to talk about the idea of the third guy. You know, there's a long view stuff like that. So let me get Drew up in here. Uh, Drew, so Dylan Brooks, he returned on, Saturday, on Sunday. It's been kind of a season of – Hell for him. Started out the season with a uh, fractured hand. Came back for about twenty something games. Got COVID, and then the second game back from COVID, he sprains his ankle. He's out for two months. But Drew, ha- what are what are your thoughts on Dylan Brooks coming back? Just what he provides uh, for this team here now that they've been kind of needing for the past few weeks.
1: Yeah, Dylan's been. Uh, Uh, he's been good to talk to over the last few days because it feels like we've hardly got to talk to him at all um this season and by the way I apologize for any background noise that you might be able to hear because I'm in the hallway here before the game um but no Dylan Dylan was great to talk to the other day I actually yesterday had the chance to sit down with him for a little bit he seems extremely self-aware as it comes to wanting to fit in with the team but also not wanting to do too much to where it, it messes up the rhythm of the team. Um, I think that's obviously a very good sign for the Grizzlies um, because you don't want a, a guy like that, you know, who's a, a high-volume shooter to come in and disrupt your offense. Um, so, all in all, I think that it, it was a good first game back for Dylan. I expect he'll be even more aggressive tonight now that Jaws officially out. Um, but he seems to have his head in, in the right place as it as it pertains to, you know, the, the last 12 games of the regular season.
0: Andrew, those are very uh, interesting points that you bring up because of his shot selection, the amount of shots he takes. You know, people think that he's not going to be willing to defer and that he's just going to mess up with the, the vibes of what this team has going for them, what they've had been going for them for the past, you know, the whole season. I mean, really, if we're gonna be completely honest, they're second best team in the in the West, second best team in the league, and now they're just like, you know, they're bringing back in Dylan Brooks, and everyone's like, uh, "What are you gonna do, bringing in this guy that you know he needs 15 to 20 shots per game? Um, he takes a lot of questionable shots. How is he gonna fit in the flow?" It's kind of similar to the whole Rudy Gay thing here a couple of years ago, but I think what what he said to you, Drew, in your interview is just kind of the opposite you know he's willing to just do whatever it takes to help the team fit um you know play play the hard-nosed defense on the team's best guy other team's best guys and the playmaking aspect that that's something I'm really excited about and just with with Dylan Brooks coming back Drew who do you think is going to benefit the most from his return benefit the
1: most that's an interesting question um he and Jaron seem to have a pretty nice connection, actually. If you go look at some of Dylan's assists, I believe two or three of them were to Jaron in that first game back. So he and, uh, and Jaron seem to have a, a nice connection, and he could always benefit from more space inside. Um, one of those assists was even a kickback three to Jaron. Um, and I think, you know, being able to get him open shots – and being able to include him in the offense as well as guys like Desmond Bain, Jod, Dylan, is very important for the Grizzlies as they, you know, look towards the playoffs. Because typically if there's any indication for a good game by the Memphis Grizzlies, it's all, it all depends on how Jaron Jackson plays offensively. Um, I should actually say a good game offensively for the Memphis Grizzlies. It, a, a lot of it usually depends on Jaron Jackson because Jaws put up such monster numbers all season that you just come to expect that. Um, And when Jaron is great, they really click on all cylinders. And so I think that, um, you know, being able to have that connection between Dylan and Jaron is definitely a big benefit And, and just being able to put pressure on the defense because as much of a step as Desmond Bain has made in that area, I think that, you know, Dylan does that even more so. So um, I, I think maybe those two are the two that I would point out when when asked, you know, who is this going to benefit the most?
0: Yeah, Drew, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I think both uh, Jaron and Be- Dez are going to benefit from just a lighter workload offensively. Maybe kind of lower uh, the expectations night to night of what they need to do because they don't have to do as much. And there, and I think it also helps too where. You know, you have him playmaking and you have another guy that can get downhill and find open players for their shots. Uh, For Desmond Bain, he has more situations where he's going to get the spot up, catch and shoot threes rather than create his own shots, though he's grown in that area. And I I think there's going to be one more area where I want to see the Grizzlies grow because of Dylan Brooks. And I'm going to get in uh, my former co-host here, Nathan Chester, on this. Uh, Nate, how do you think that – Dylan Brooks is going to enhance and a half court offense that's uh, quite frankly not been um, on par with uh, its the the team's offensive efficiency this year. I want to say it's outside the top twenty in uh, half court efficiency. Where where do you think Dylan Brooks helps in that regard?
2: I think when you saw the Grizzlies struggle on defense as badly as they did, because they've not been. Great in his absence over the last six or seven weeks now but they've been nowhere near as bad as they were at the beginning of the season and I think there's something to be said that a lot of good defense in the NBA can be tied back to swagger and confidence how you choose to play on any given night and like he kind of helped them refine that when he came back at the beginning of the season and they were able to maintain that to a certain level without him but I think as far as defensively in the playoffs and, you know, if they play the Denver Nuggets, um, they're going to need him because I think I, I, forget, I saw who tweeted it about 25, 30 minutes ago, but Jamal Murray has been called up to the G League for the Denver Nuggets. And so they're getting their horses back. They'll probably have him and Michael Porter Jr. back for the playoffs. That's the report that I saw about 30 minutes ago. So no matter what draw they end up with, whether that's Dallas, Denver, or even Minnesota, or even if you play the Clippers, there will be Paul George as well. They're going to need him not to stop an opposing star player at the playoffs because he's not going to do that. But they need him there to make these type of guys work and to make them work. And when we talk about shot creation on the offensive end of the court, um, it's been very easy to notice the issues that the Grizzlies have in that regard when it comes to creating because – even though they are scoring 120-something, 130-something points per game, there are still a few stretches every single game where you think to yourself, man, somebody who could reliably create for the mid-range would be really helpful right about now. And the Grizzlies are a little bit similar to grit and grind in this way where they do have these stretches in the game where there is not much in the way of offensive cohesiveness And the biggest question that they're going to have to answer going into the playoffs, and I wrote an article about this, I think, two months ago, how sustainable is it going to be to dominate the offensive glass? How sustainable is that going to be in the playoffs? Because you may want to play Jaron Jackson Jr. more at the five and not play Steven Adams quite as much because of his limited offensive game. So will you be able to get to a place where you are still thriving offensively, even though that you have the 22nd ranked half-court offense as far as efficiency per play? Um, The last time I checked, they had the seventh best half-court offense and efficiency as far as per possession because of how well they dominate the offensive glass. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see if that's sustainable in the playoffs. But whether it is or not, and especially if it's not, the presence of Dylan Brooks and having another shot creator who can score from all three levels will be a game changer for the Grizzlies, no matter who their matchup is.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you there. And, you know, six, seven wings that can score at three levels while also defending the other team's best guy. Those are pretty good players to have. I I must say, and um, I'm going to get Gil here in on this. Who's uh, up here speaking, you know, another GBB writer, Uh, you know, Gil, even if he doesn't average 25 points in a playoff series again, and that even maybe opens up more shots for Destin Payne, Jaron Jackson Jr., just uh, where are you on the return of Dylan Brooks and just how does he kind of give this team another gear uh, down this 12-game stretch and going into the
3: postseason? Yeah, thanks, Parker, for uh, having me on. Um, I think that Dylan – if we look back at last year, yeah, jaw had some big moments in that Utah series, but in those times when the offense was really stagnant, Dylan Brooks, isn't necessarily the guy who can, who's going to make every shot, but he's never scared to try and make that play. Uh, I think that when things get slowed down in the post season, as they always do, you know, the Grizzlies are going to have to get over this half court offensive slump that they go through. Like, the, the games just slow down naturally once you get to the postseason. And in that, I think we're going to see Dylan Brooks step up a lot more. And I think that it's really perfect timing for him to come back right now. And I think tonight with no jaw, um, maybe we see a little bit more out of him uh, stepping up as, the, as kind of the lead guy. And, uh, yeah, as you said, I mean, three-level score defends the opponent's best player as well. I mean – Looking towards the future, I love Dylan. I know you do as well, but, I mean, that's that's really why I look at a guy like Jalen Brown as somebody who can really help this team uh, and be that kind of second guy to jaw. I love Dylan. I don't want to see him leave. He's such a good fit here in Memphis, but I think that is something that the Grizzlies can continue to improve on. And, you know, after we come out of this playoff series, depending on how far they go, that may be something that they have to look for is, uh, you know, how are we going to upgrade those other positions? Yeah,
0: no, I, for sure. And, the, you know, this is kind of what kind of spurred the conversation. You know, Joe, as he usually does, you know, he threw out a trade suggestion. Everyone got mad, yada, yada, yada. But it brings up a good point that at some point you need that reliable third guy, you know. You have Ja, he's your guy. He's proven he could probably be a lead guy on a championship contender. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably going to fit in kind of like the Draymond mold where he may not be the second guy on offense, but his defense is what makes him the second most valuable player on the team. And it's all about finding the third guy. And, you know, you have Desmond Bain who's taking this leap, and then you also have Dylan Brooks who's showing you what they know. And I don't want to get into a trade rabbit hole here because I don't think this is what this is going to be about. But I want to ask Drew this. Drew, do you think that this postseason in particular is kind of like a an audition of sorts for Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain to kind of prove that they can be the third guys on a, on a team that can go far into the Western okay. Conference playoffs?
1: I'm hesitant to call it audition because I feel like – the doors, maybe, maybe for Dylan a little bit more so than Desmond because this will be Desmond's first time playing in a play in se- or playoff series that you know he's playing a major role in. Because last year we we know he was a bench player. Um, with Dylan, I just feel like there's more to be unlocked there. You know, as soon as the decision making, which is not a talent problem. Um, As soon as the decision-making comes around, it just feels like he has the potential to be that much better of a player. I wouldn't call it an audition. Um, I think we're going to learn some things about this team. It's unfortunate that we haven't already learned them because they haven't been together during the regular season long enough. Um, And I think – you know maybe that does result in them making a move this off season or being aggressive especially since they have so many you know draft assets um but to call it an audition count me out on that count me uh hesitant to to you know go that far
0: okay if it's if it's not an audition what what's your confidence interval for each of those for Dylan or for Bane as to potentially being that third guy on a grizzlies team that's hopefully deep into the playoffs?
1: Um, well, with Bain, you, you don't, I mean, we don't think just given his physical limitations that he's going to become this amazing defensive player. Um, yeah. The short arms do somewhat matter <laughs> um, in, the, in that sense. So I, I think he can be a great scorer. I think maybe he can turn out to be an all-star player, but I think he's on the fringe of that. You know, I don't know if he's like a, all-star every year type of guy um so if you're trying to get better and get a player like a Jalen Brown who's going to be a multi-time all-star over the course of his career I I don't know if either of those guys are going to be that level of player if I'm being honest um but I think they're both great players and great fits for the Grizzlies and there's something to be said about that and it would certainly be a risk to trade either one of them um but the Grizzlies are have made it clear that they're not afraid to take risks. They took a risk this summer when they traded for Steven Adams and everybody ripped the trade for about a month. And we've seen how that turned out.
0: Exactly. Yes. And you know, I I'm pretty confident that they, you know, they could. And maybe it's one of those things where you have it to where you have more of the Ja Jaren, dynamic duo. Kind of thing where you know the league has been trending more towards dynamic duos rather than big threes, so maybe it's one of those. And then just your strength is in numbers, as cliche as it sounds. You know, maybe one night it's uh Desmond Payne, one night it's Dylan Brooks, one year it's Zaire. Um, one day it's just a a bench unit that just ends up showing out for and putting up like a 40.9 off the bench. You, you don't know, and that, that's one thing that's very nice with this team is there's a lot of possibilities for which they can go down in terms of finding that third guy of sorts.
1: Yeah, I think Zaire, more so than those other guys, is, a, is he's got the potential, right? Because we don't know what he is yet. We have no idea what Zaire is. He's still 20, he just turned 20 years old, right? So he's got so far to go between now and then. I wouldn't completely rule out that he could become that type of player. Um, given his timeline and his age, I think maybe he has the chance, even more so than a Boehner or Dylan Brooks, to become a guy like that because he has the physical tools and because he's so young. Now, if you're asking me to bet on whether or not he's going to become that type of player, obviously the chances would be pretty low, right? But I think he's a, at least a bigger question mark than those other two.
0: For sure. You know, Drew, you just brought up how, you know, people were, you know, hating on the Adams, Valanciunas, triggers to the wrist. That was, man the, the Zaire one, especially, you know, we he uh, was not expected to go 10. I mean, a lot of boards had him around that 17 pick, even though kind of heard here and there that that wasn't really going to be the case. And then you also had the fact that he didn't play well in the summer league. And you had guys that were more the uh, Grizz Twitter, Grizz Media favorites of like Moses Moody and James Booknight that were shortly after Xavier uh, Williams. I mean, hell, even throw Chris Duarte in there. I mean, if he if he was the guy that uh, became that third guy, then you know that that would be that would be a, just a a giant uh, galaxy brain right there. But you know, I don't hate it. I mean, both all three of those guys, if we're, if we're being honest, Dylan. Bain, Zaya, there there's tools there for it to for them to be the third guy. And I now got the culprit of the conversation because he keeps on throwing silly trade suggestions online. We got Joe in here. And Joe, I wanna ask you what I asked Drew, what what is your confidence interval of Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain evolving into that third guy that many of us dream about? And do you kind of see as – do you see the playoffs as, like, a testing point for that theory?
4: I don't appreciate being called silly, first and foremost. I'm technically your boss, Parker Fleming. So, first and foremost, I demand an apology. My trades are awesome. I'm sorry. That SGA one was pretty awesome. See, thank you. And it was awesome because it was extremely lopsided for the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't think Oklahoma City would ever do that. Um, To answer your question – I think that we're looking at a situation where we need more data, right? I think that's a fair thing to say in the here and now. I have an opinion, and my opinion is neither of them can be that guy, but I am not confident in that opinion because we need more data, and I think that this postseason will be a good opportunity for that. You had the Utah series last year where Dylan was essentially that guy, right? Dylan Brooks put up pretty impressive numbers, in that series against the utah jazz who theoretically speaking are a championship contender the way that they're built more so than the grizzlies at this stage but they lost in five games right so they dylan brooks was probably the second best player on the memphis grizzlies in the postseason last year and they lost in five to a utah jazz team that was significantly better than them in that moment fast forward a year we'll see what happens obviously desmond bain has grown a tremendous amount in this first season and i don't want to do him a disservice because we haven't seen this version of desmond bain yet it's possible that he is the clay thompson to jaron jackson's draymond green to john moran's steph curry in this new age dynasty that could be coming for the grizzlies i think that's possible but we don't know that yet we need more data i i i lean towards that not being the case because I think that Desmond is doing a lot of the things that we thought he could, or at least a lot of things that I thought I could, I know you did, or I thought he could do Uh, same thing with you, Parker. I know you were relatively high on Desmond coming out of school more so than others. So I, I see him being what I thought he would be given his athleticism, given his frame. I don't know how much better he's going to get John Morant. I think can continue to ascend. He's already a top five ish MVP guy. I think that he can be number two or number one in the NBA. I think he still has that ascending potential, whereas I think we might be seeing the best of Desmond Bain. Maybe he gets more crafty, develops more skill set, certainly could perhaps facilitate offense better. But I think you're close to seeing the peak of Desmond Bain than you are of John Morant. And that gap is what I really am concerned about in terms of being that third guy. I'm fairly confident Dylan Brooks is not that. I think we need more data on Desmond Bain. And I think that this postseason is going to be an awesome kind of test run to try to figure that out. You know, Zach Kleiman is in the catbird seat. If they go on a run, the team is essentially set, and they have all these draft picks. They have this cap space. They can just sit pretty and wait to re-sign guys. And, you know, the next five years of the Grizzlies are are in line. You know, the team is the team. On the flip side of that, if they get eliminated in the first round, or even if it's in the second round and they get swept by one of the big three-ish teams of Golden State, Phoenix, Utah, whoever it might be, now you're saying, okay, we need somebody else. And you can use the resources at your disposal to go get that guy. So it's really, as we've talked about before, it's, it's icing on the cake, right? As, as this game be, approaches, Desmond Bain could go out there in essentially his hometown in front of his home crowd. He, I think he said he has 2,000 people there watching tonight, or 200, something like that, probably more 200, 2,000 is a lot. Um, but anyway, he's got a lot of people there to watch him in this Pacers game, and he's going to probably go off, and he's going to look the part of that Clay Thompson-esque guy. Can he do that when the lights are on brightest against a consistently good team? No offense to the Indiana Pacers. Their offense has improved a lot since Halliburton's arrived their defense is still not great, especially with Miles Turner out. So you're going to see a high-scoring game. I think you're going to see flashes of what people hope Bain can be. I'm fairly confident Dylan's not the third man. Desmond Bain, the jury's still out.
0: Well, for your harsh takes on uh, Dylan Brooks, I'm going to – edit all that out and um, (laughs) make it sound like you do think Dylan Brooks can be the third guy. I'm pretty offended, Joe. Not going to lie.
4: But it's it's... Dylan Brooks has shown his importance and his value. But I think the third guy, I mean, look at Golden State's cap sheet. Like if we're talking about Memphis eventually having a comparable, they'll never be Golden State in terms of their cap sheet because of the luxury tax. But if we're talking about Memphis flirting with the luxury tax every year, that means they have roughly three max guys. Dylan Brooks isn't a max guy. He's not going to make even what Jaron's making on the open market. He'll make maybe a, a Gary Trent Jr. kind of contract, $16 million or so. But to me, that third guy is essentially a third max player. Jaron is close to that, not quite max, but in the ballpark. Jaw clearly is going to be a super max guy. So it, who to me right now is going to be closer to that number? If I'm watching them and seeing again what I think they could ascend to, I have more confidence in saying Bane will be that guy. But that doesn't mean Brooks isn't important. I think he's shown his importance throughout this season in terms of the defense and the energy that he brings to the team. Joe, That's... I think
1: uh, Joe, I think Robert Paro is mad at you for undervaluing his money.
4: I think Robert Paro yeah.
1: needs to come on Grizzly Bear Blues
4: live. Did you see Mark Cuban is going on on? dallas mavericks podcast for their espionation blog hey bob come be on gbb live <laughs> i would love to talk to you and we can talk about how i don't value your money enough mr para that's all i'm saying
0: damn well now now joe's gonna get my spaces flagged uh by uh robert Perez uh network but you know before <clears throat> excuse me before everything starts down at the game and before it really all starts for uh, drew who's down in the trenches himself. Drew, Marsh Madness starts this week. Who is a Grizzlies prospect that you're going to be keeping your eye on the most? Oh, my
1: gosh. That's a, that's a loaded question. I don't even know. I, like, I'm, I'm so far away from draft mode right now, <laughs> looking towards the playoffs, to be honest. Uh, I, will, I will pop out here, and I will say Jalen Duren. know, I'll, I'll play to the Memphis audience. I know my, I know my audience. I'll, I'll play to the Memphis audience, and I'll say Jalen Duren. I honestly thought you were gonna say JD uh
0: Davison, to be honest. The feature backup point guard of the Memphis Grizzlies. Get get yourself a uh an Alabama player up in up in the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies
1: need shooters. They don't need JD Davison. They need guys that can shoot. JD Davison, I don't I, I don't think he'd fit very well with the teams. And that's like a real take, too. So.
0: That that's true. That is very true. Well, for one, Drew, enjoy the game. Go Grizz. Thank you for joining again. Um uh, now let me ask Gil real quick. Gil, what about yourself? Who are you gonna be keeping your eye on?
3: Um, I I think that we had talked about it a couple of weeks ago in another space. Somebody had mentioned Keegan Murray, and then I really started paying attention to him. He's he's gonna be way too far out of our reach at this point. That kid's playing out of his mind. He had a great Big Ten run. Um, I put in our Slack today, like I, I just don't understand why there's there's this lack of Johnny Jusang love now. I really like his game. He played really well in that Arizona game, probably his best game of the season, honestly. He's been dealing with a ton of injuries all year long. If he goes on another tournament run um, here in the next couple weeks, I think that he's going to be back in that first-round conversation. I think he's a guy that easily could be one of the uh, one of the three picks if we end up with all three of them, uh, if not one of the two. And, you know, I, again, talking about long-term, I want to see those picks consolidated into either one guy or to be used on a veteran out there um, in the trade market. But uh, I, I really – my stance on this draft for the Grizzlies is that we don't need anybody who's under the age of 20. Like, we, we've kind of – I think Zaire needs to be kind of the, the demarcation point where we started looking for guys who can play right now instead of project guys, these younger kids. That's kind of why I don't necessarily – I'm not sold on Jalen Duran or some people have mentioned Kennedy Chandler as much as I love him with, uh, you know, Tennessee. I I think that we need some of these other guys who have played some high level basketball in college who can come in and contribute, especially when we have some roster spots that are going to be opening up, you know, filling in for if we lose Tyus, Kyle Anderson, those guys, I think that, We've we may have hit a point of diminishing returns if we keep investing in eighteen and nineteen year olds. So I, I just I'm looking at some of the veterans, um, Abaji at, at Kansas. I know Joe's a big fan of. I would love him. I love his game as well. But him and I, I really think Johnny he has got another big march in him, and I think people are going to be talking about him. So I'd love to have him in, in Memphis.
0: For sure, for sure. Thanks, Gil Joe. I think I already know your
3: answer. I just want to hear you say
0: it. Bring me Obaji. Bring me him. I would love for him to be a member
4: of the Memphis Grizzlies because as we were talking about a moment ago, I'm still of the mindset that they, they need another person. They need another dude. And I'd like for them to get the best dude that they can without giving up a Dylan Brooks or a Desmond Bain. I think that there's an avenue for that. It's called Steven Adams and a couple of first-round picks and maybe you know DeAnthony Melton. I like Melton. But again, if we're saying who's more important between Brooks and Melton, I'd say Brooks is. So you combine those two contracts, you combine a couple first-round picks, you see who the best dude is you can get from that. And it may not be worth the squeeze, but you, you float that idea. Assuming it gets you somebody um, that can help you, uh, I would say Abaji because he can fill that void immediately. He is an NBA rotation player right now. To Gill's point, uh, I think he could play in tonight's Indiana-Memphis game and get 10 points. Uh, I, I think that highly of his skill set. Now, again, similar to Desmond Bain, what's his ceiling? That's an interesting question, and we need to get more data on that. It would probably be a similar Desmond Bain peak for him. But they don't need, to Gill's point again, they've got Ja, they've got Jaron, they've got those types of guys. They need guys that can accentuate the skill sets that are there in their stars, and and I think he really checks that box. There's other guys too that do that as well. Uh, but I think if you're moving on from your Lakers, assuming the Lakers pick is around 11 or 12, uh, if you move on from that and another first, and then Adams, and that gets you somebody that you know on the wing that can help you score and defend a little bit, uh, I think that the move would be to add guys that can replenish the rotation.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that. And honestly, the the team's been – the Grizzlies have been so good this year that I just haven't really kind of cared or worried too much about draft coverage. I'm only asking this because it's March Madness week. But I would – I don't know how far they're going to go or anything, but I'm really going to be keeping uh, tabs on uh, uh, Terry Eason from LSU, uh, 6'8 wing. He played both the three and the four. Uh, defensive menace. Like I saw a tweet where he had similar defensive comps like Matisse Thibel and Robert Covington, guys who were NBA rotation players quite early in their career. And I mean, Thibel was a was an immediate rotation player on a championship contender. Joe, do you have anything to say? Or...
4: I was just going to say he would fill the Kyle Anderson void very nicely. I think yes. that would be a
0: good. I would be a good. I would be good with
4: that pick as well. If you're letting Kyle walk, he would fill that pretty well.
0: Yep. And according to uh, No Ceilings NBA on Twitter, uh, he is shooting 43% from three over the past 10 games, 83% from their free throw line. Always a good uh, barometer of uh, three point translation. So that's who I would go with. Um, game's about to start. So thanks, everybody, for joining in. Uh, I'll be trying to do this uh, here down the road. I won't do it at 5 30 in the afternoon again, Central Time. I'm just doing this because the East Coast start time, Uh, just wanted to kind of get different perspectives on this topic. Uh, I'll be doing this again, maybe for one of the Mountain Time games or one of the uh, West Coast games, but take it easy, enjoy the game, go Grizz.